here on Eastside Radio 89.7 FM. This is Arts Monday, Sympoesis, where we talk about art and environmentalism. I will soon be on call to Kevina Jo Smith. She's an installation artist based in Blue Mountains, and her work has just been installed at this year's Sculpture at Scenic World exhibition, which is an exhibition set among forests in the heart of the Blue Mountains, and it opens this Thursday on 1st of April. I'll just see if I have Kavina online with me. Kavina, are you there? I am. I'm here. Hi. How are you this morning? How are Blue Mountains? Um, it's one of those classically beautiful autumn days this morning. It's really, you know, bright blue sky and all the leaves are really colorful. feeling, yeah, it's a really nice day. It must be beautiful after all the rain. Yes. Big relief after all of that rain. And you were lucky to be installing while the rain, once the rain yes. stopped. So you had a yes. nice dry and sunny day, which made it Thank easier, goodness. I assume. Yes. Although underneath the canopy in the forest, it's usually pretty good, even if it's raining. Yeah, of course. But still, arriving there and making sure that oh, everything yeah. doesn't get wet. Although I'm, I'm assuming Absolutely. that the materials that you were using for this exhibition would have been durable materials that can cope with the rain. Yes. Yes, it is in fact made of an old greenhouse that was being thrown away. So, yeah, it's definitely okay to be outdoors. Mm. Can you describe to us a bit what this installation is, what it looks like, what is it made of, and how did you in the first place come to the inspiration and the idea to make this kind of work? The work was actually inspired by a residency that I had been on in South Korea at the in the latter half of 2019 but because of all the lockdowns it's been you know it's been a long time coming so it's been interesting kind of looking back at where it came from and realizing that it's still you know it's still relevant it came from actually a conversation with an elderly korean man that i'd been working with we'd kind of been working side by side on installing this big project everything about him was really interesting to me he seemed very thoughtful and gentle and I ended up asking somebody about him and it turned out he you know for a living he built tree houses that people live in from recycled materials so there was one night after install that we all were kind of sitting around drinking and him and I showed interest in having a conversation about each other's work and each other and we ended up having three different people's phones open on with three different translator apps trying to have this quite intense conversation about the environment and about the future and about our work and things like that but so it was this very serious conversation but there was so much laughing because of the translations and we would if something didn't come across right we would try a different translator app and yeah, so I guess this work sort of became a, a physical representation of that conversation. The title of the work is I Fear the Proliferation of Convenience as Happiness, which was taken directly from one of the translations. And the work yeah. is made of, if I can call it rubbish, that you collected from the community around you? Is that... Yes, yeah, I did. Um, well, I've used an old greenhouse that was being thrown out I've used that as a frame and drilled holes throughout the entire thing. And yeah, I did a call out, it would have been at the end of 2019, I did a call out 
for people to collect their soft plastics because I don't use that many in my life. So it's basically made up of all these soft plastics cut into strips and the method has been kind of similar to how you would create a shag pile rug, like the uh, strips of plastic are threaded through the grid that I drilled on the on the greenhouse. So it has a shaggy effect, plastic shaggy. Mm. And you said how you had a call out for soft plastic and you yourself don't use much. Were you surprised with the amount that came back to you? Yes and no. It was There were a lot of different things contributed. I guess I like doing a call out because it's often people who are looking for ways to better their way of recycling. So it was varied from like general household things to actually small kind of small farmers who would have you know, kind of large plastic sheet waste from soil deliveries and things like that. So, yeah, I guess I'm constantly surprised by the things people are contending with and often people bring it to me and they're quite guilty and explaining. For an example, there was one woman who was like, she completely avoids buying anything in packaging, but she had bought her family all new pillows and all of the pillows arrived in plastic sheeting and yeah she was kind of quite guiltily explaining to me and also very grateful that it was going somewhere that wasn't in the ground or in the ocean that's interesting the sense of guilt we have around yeah us. i guess that's a progress that we are at least conscious that it's not you know just given yeah. to live like that have you recorded yeah. these stories that they were sharing to you in, in any way that sounds quite no. interesting yeah no i haven't i mean i I guess I think about them a lot when I'm working, so no, I haven't recorded them in a way to share, but it definitely comes out, you know, when I'm working, it comes out with conversations once I'm installing, and it comes out if I'm writing a new proposal, it always kind of feeds back in. Mm. And um, your work, as you have expressed, I think this is a sentence from, or maybe it's an article that was with you, you want to raise environmental awareness through your work and enact yeah. a collective consciousness around the ever-increasing environmental threats that face this planet. So these are quite dark themes, but your work is very colorful and beautiful. So I'm just wondering if colorfulness and beauty is a strategy in any way for you when you make the art. All of that is really accurate, but it was never intentional. The color palette has definitely come from the rubbish itself. If I walked into an art store and chose my materials, I would have a completely different palette. I mean, I do determine the colors of the pattern in some way, like I'm definitely being conscious about it, but the palette itself comes from the rubbish that I'm working with. Which is interesting when you mm. think about it, that all this plastic is actually colorful maybe that's mm. why we keep buying it it's just appealing to the oh, eye definitely yeah definitely mm. that has something to do with it mm. and um, the sculpture at scenic world exhibition is um, kind of dedicated to site-specific works so was your yes. work in uh, response to the site how far ahead did you know where exactly in which location in the forest will you be installing your work and how did this site affect uh, the actual execution and the shape that work took well yeah as i said it was supposed to be showed the year before so i actually went down into the forest the team there are amazing at 
allowing you to go down and kind of have a look and feed the site into your work. So I did take a trip down there over a year ago and chose a site which informed how I worked, but because the nature of the forest changing and evolving over the year, it was a bit of a concern at the end whether the same site would work, and I'd already kind of half made the work. They definitely feed into each other. Like I go down there with a very, you know, pretty definite idea. But then once you see the site, that will definitely change the way it's constructed because of the nature of installing in a forest. It's very, very different to white walls in a gallery. Mm. So all of that has to be thought of from the beginning. Yeah. I love the image that you have shared I believe maybe last Friday or this weekend uh, about the mm-hmm. uh, actual installation process and you said you were joined by Olympic rock climber and circus performer. <laughs> Can you talk me through a bit this uh, actual day of installation and who are the yeah. people helping you and maybe giving them a gratitude as well for the work that they are doing? Yeah, I mean, the team is always amazing down there. I, I just think the nature of the, the forest and everybody... I mean, people are so attracted to it that it attracts very high-quality people, I think. So one, uh, two of the arborists I had worked with on my last project in the forest, and for me that was a really, really big deal, and I was super, super nervous because I didn't really understand or trust the process. And they did the most incredible job. It turned out exactly as I'd proposed. And so I was fortunate enough to work with those two same arborists again, And then the Olympic rock climber, I think he is on the scenic world team and the circus performer. I mean, they're all just experts at rigging, basically. So there's really intense rigging. So they're very, very protective of the trees. So the trees aren't allowed. There are certain trees that aren't allowed to be touched at all. And it happens to be that my work is installed around one of the trees that can't be touched at all. So even though it looks quite easy when you look at it once it's done, but we actually, yeah, we had to go up four trees to tie off Mm. the work around the tree that it's actually installed on. I love that your work is actually potentially invisible and easy to be missed if you're just looking down or ahead. It's quite high up. Um, yeah. It kind of almost blends with the environment, although there are more colors. But from the image I saw on your Instagram, it seemed like it's blending. Yeah. Is that something that you were intending also? Yeah, that was definitely intentional. However, I think it's worked better than I even imagined. I think um, like the idea was to kind of represent how the forest or how nature always takes back over from our man-made mess. Um, but the co- I guess it's a combination of it's the colors, but it's the light that comes through the canopy, and there's like a lot of reflection going on, and maybe the shaggy kind of texture as well is more, you know, similar to leaves and fern fronds and things like that. So yeah, it's much more invisible than I imagined, but in a really good way. Mm. For me, metaphorically, it speaks about the fact that if we just look down or ahead of us and never look into the bigger picture, we will not notice things. That's how I personally responded to it, not being actually yet at the side, but just imagining what it would be like to walk under it and not see it and it's there. I think that's quite a lovely metaphor. 
thank you. Yeah, that sounds right. Well, let's have a little break uh, and mm -hmm. uh, play some music and then we can come back and talk about some other things about your practice and maybe a bit more about this particular work. So you're okay. on Eastside Radio 89.7 FM. My name is Ira and this is Arts Monday where we talk about art and environmentalism. I'm on the call to Blue Mountains-based artist Kevina Jo Smith. Her work was just installed at Sculpture at Scenic World exhibition, which takes place in rainforests in Blue Mountains, and it opens this Thursday, 1st of April. So if you have a chance, um, please go and see this beautiful work and give yourself a beautiful day in the forest. I think we all need a bit more of that. Let's have um, a break with Jana Winderen. She is a Norwegian musician, and this tune is called The Listener. So Jana Winderen is sound artist uh, based in Norway. She recorded this tune in January this year. And The Listener is a sound composition created from hydrophones and sound field recordings in and by the river Orn in Normandy. This is what Jana writes in um, description of this work. She says that freshwater biologists count underwater insects and use this data as an indicator of the water's health. So if we learn how to identify the sound of the specific underwater insects with their varying ability to survive form of pollution, we can possibly, through focused listening, reach an understanding of the health of the river. So let's hear this uh, tune by Jana Winteren called The Listener, and we'll be back on ESAD Radio 89.7 FM after that, talking to installation artist Kevina Joe-Smith.
You're listening to the tune called The Listener by Norwegian musician Jana Winderen. She is working with environmental sounds and looks at the ways to teach us how to listen better to the natural world as a way to raise environmental consciousness. And I'm on call with another artist who is hoping to raise environmental consciousness through her work. Her name is Kavina Jo Smith. She's based in Blue Mountains. And I am calling her there. Hi, Kavina. Hi. You're back here. So we just spoke uh, about your work that is installed at this year's Sculpture at Scenic World exhibition. I know that part of your practice, and maybe I'm wrong, I read this, uh, so <laughs> you can correct me, but uh, that your practice is delicate and time-consuming to create. Would, does this still apply to your work these days? Definitely the time-consuming part. <laughs> I guess I'm trying to make it less delicate. Uh, that I mean, that's just out of necessity, as I've ended up doing quite a lot outdoors or semi-permanent pieces outdoors, yeah. So less delicate, but definitely time-consuming. And uh, you laughed as uh, I asked you this question. Is a time issue and slowness of your work, has it increased since you had uh, your now two-year-old child, daughter? Very much. <laughs> yeah, very much. I guess um, it used to be such an important part of my process. Or for me personally, it was such an important part of my practice. It was almost more important than the outcome, I think. And I used all of that kind of slow process making time as meditation, as thinking and listening to new information and, you know, just a lot of thinking time, I guess, a lot of headspace. And, yeah, now as a mother, that's that does not happen. And it feels like I had this incredibly selfish time where I, I really got to think a lot whenever I wanted. Yeah, so now that that process it's like I need I'm evolving it with her really like sometimes she's actually genuinely quite helpful and other times it's 100% impossible to get anything done so I guess I'm trying to evolve with her and figure out how the two things go together because I'm not not <laughs> don't intend to give up my art practice and yeah so I'm just figuring it all out mm. Yeah, it's interesting you're mentioning you're not intending to give up your art practice. I spoke to some other artists who are parents, and um, this particular mother was uh, speaking to me. I think her son is now about 11, probably even more since uh, we spoke. And she spoke mm-hmm. about the guilt she had about mm-hmm. wanting to keep pursuing her career while being a parent. Is that something that you have experienced as well? Yeah, massive. I, I feel almost immediately... Yeah, just definitely had a new understanding of time. And yeah, that's that very selfish time. And so, yeah, it's very loaded with guilt, for sure. Mm. And how accommodating is the art world, the institution to artists with kids? Is there any other level of support that you would find useful in this world in order to make it easier for the parenting artists? I mean... It is really, really hard and not so accommodating, but in many ways I've also been fortunate as I took Ida to South Korea when she was nine to almost 11 months old. And I feel like that was kind of because Korean people were very accommodating and um, it was really, 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 really hard. And there was definitely moments where I was just like what am I doing I need to just give this up it doesn't can't work 
but you know I had a lot of support you know just being on the residency I think there was a lot of people there that just loved children and she was happy playing and meeting new people so I was really fortunate with that experience to kind of uh, I don't know help me have the energy to keep trying Mm. I think it's kind of one of those two steps forward one steps back you have a couple of good experiences and it feels okay and then you have an experience that feels like you almost have to kill yourself to make it happen so I don't know I I guess I'm trying to stay positive about it I've tried to tap into a few podcasts about other mothers talking about it I've tried to be in conversations about like there are a lot of artists with children it's just it's a fact so I I feel like I'm trying to tap into new conversations about residencies that are family friendly so I guess it's just opening your ears to new information and finding new ways like I, I guess I definitely can't apply for things that I would have done before having her as well but mm. it's just change constant change yeah most of the mothers I spoke to spoke about the problem of not being able to go on residencies anymore so yeah it would be nice to create infrastructure that allows for that and there was this Instagram post recently somebody did a survey and suggested some suggestions on um, how to actually make this more possible for parents and they Mm. uh, suggested maybe considering having a specific budget which would be incorporated into the artist fee for an artist child care costs that would be incredible (laughs) (laughs) that would be incredible Yeah. yeah and then they also mentioned how openings and special events should be scheduled at convenient time for artists, including the times when they're asked to come and install their works. So Mm. consider options such as weekend brunch, private views, rather than strictly early evenings when children usually go to sleep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You are raising your daughter in the beautiful environment of Blue Mountains and you yourself moved there 10 years ago. You spent mm. your life living in the city. How has this change been for you personally? Actually, having Ida, she's given, she's kind of opened my eyes fresh to it again. I, I feel like I'm having a new experience again, so that's really nice because I guess that was there's a lot that I miss from being in the city. There's a lot of pros and cons from both different environments. And I guess there's, there was always a lot of pull to probably move back. Um, and now that I can see how much she enjoys it and how comfortable she is, like we drive into our street and she literally gets like crazy excited in the back of the car and like my home, my home. And she will wake up in the morning and say, I love my home and like look out the window and there's a lot of beautiful new energy around her seeing and noticing things for the first time. Mm. So it's making me appreciate it all over again. Mm. And when you say that she looks out of the window, I was wondering what does your studio look like there? Do you have a view on the forest as you work? Oh, at the moment, <laughs> at the moment I don't even have a studio. I'm working in... Um, we're kind of, I don't even know how to explain it, but we're kind of creating a new room out of an existing carport at our house. So it's in a half-built half state, which is where I've been making this last work. So I actually do prefer having a studio external 
to the house. So I've moved around a lot up here and I've been pretty fortunate having various spots. In fact, one actually looked over the Jamison Valley where the scenic wild forest is. Mm. So you're in the process of finding something more stable. Like, yes. Yeah. yeah. Ongoing studio. Yeah. Again, I mean, that's another problem to solve with having a child. It, it becomes harder weighing up the time that you're going to spend there, you know, how much you're paying for it. Mm. And in reality, how much work you're actually going to get done. So I feel like I need more kind of temporary short-term studios when I have a project on. That would seem maybe more helpful. Mm. That mm. makes sense. Well, Kavina, thank you for being on call with us this morning or almost uh, afternoon. I'm sure you have been up <laughs> since early, early morning. What time does Ida wake up? Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure. It's great to have a chat. And I look forward to coming to Blue Mountains and having a look at your beautiful installation at Sculpture at Scenic World Exhibition. So just to let yeah. listeners know, it's opening this Thursday. Is that right? On the 1st mm -hmm. of yep. April? and goes on yes. for about a month. And I'll just yes. um, give listeners a website where they can have a look. So it's scenicworld.com.au slash sculpture. You'll find out more about it. And I think there is a certain fee to go, or is it for free? No, there is a fee. I'm actually not sure what it is, though. Okay. <laughs> there is a fee, but all of the information will be on the website. All right, so it's scenicworld.com.au slash sculpture. You're on Eastside Radio 89.7 FM. I will say bye to Kavina. Thank you once again for joining us this morning. Thank you so much. And we'll play another tune by Gail Priest. She is, um, I believe, still a Sydney-based artist, although she might also be living in Blue Mountains these days. Um, she is an artist who works with also environmental sounds and soundscapes, field recordings. And this particular tune is called So Much Water. And it is from her 2017 album Heraclitus in Iceland. She recorded it in a small coastal town in northern part of Iceland. I believe it counts 800 people. And it is based on field recordings. The natural elements of water and wind are met head-on with metal, the industrial clamor telling of the toughness required to survive in this harsh environment. So let's have a listen, and after that I will again speak to a guest who is with me in the studio, poet Gabby Florek. She is here to share some of her work with us. We already heard a couple of her poetry that is inspired by environment and nature, and we'll hear some more and unpack the process behind her writing. You're on Easter Radio 89.7 FM.